everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mixing It Up with Maggie. For the month of March, I'm interviewing some of the hardworking professional women in my life. Today, I have with me writer, educator, filmmaker, and activist. Of course, she's like multiple things. She's a Leo, you guys, so of course. My friend, Alicia. Hi, this is Alicia Anabel Santos. I am a writer, producer, and filmmaker for Afro-Latinos, The Untaught Story. Afro-Latinos, La Historia Que Nunca Nos Contaron. I am a fiction writer, podcaster, workshop facilitator, and founder of the New York City Latina Writers Group. We are entering our 12th year and have over 750 women of color in our organization. And my area of expertise is Afro-Latinidad, Blackness, the African diaspora in Latin America. She's a Renaissance woman, so that's what it is. But I'm going to put the links down below to some of your work. So Alicia, how did you get to be all of these things? Like, you chose writing, or do you think that writing chose you? So, how does a girl who barely graduated high school, a Dominican girl, an Afro-Latina from Bushwick, Brooklyn, and Queens, by way of Rhode Island and Florida, and all all over, like the 13 moves, become a filmmaker and producer um, for Afro-Latinos, The Untold Story. How do I even come to like realize that I'm a writer? I think as a young girl, what, no, I don't think, I know that when I was a young girl, most of my life it was all about the escape. I wanted to be free. And I wanted to feel like I had a voice. But you come up in a world that tells you that you have no voice and you have no place. and. The interesting thing about my journey is that for a long time, I wanted to be white because to be white means to be right and to be accepted everywhere. And so I struggled. I had an identity crisis, many different identity crises. So before even becoming a writer, I was dealing with this whole like, who am I and where do I fit? So I'm born in Brooklyn and I, you know, I deal with all the things that you deal with being, you know, um, a person of color in the society that I'm living in. And I'm trying to find my way and I'm told, no, 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 no way. You can never be this. You're not good enough. You're a piece of this. And how do you find your voice and affirm yourself, you know, in a space that is an affirming art? So let's start from that place. I come from a very Dominican home. So you come up in a home where people tell you to get a real job, to to do the things that are traditional and expected of you. Find the husband, marry white, white in the race, get a good job, finish school, become this and this and this. And so when you roll up and you say, "Um, I want to be a writer, they're like, what? That's not. That's not what we had planned for you. Oh, and then you want to tell them that you came out as a lesbian. Oh, wait, we definitely did not have that planned for you. And so when I talk about my identity crisis, it kind of went like that. I had a lot of coming out. I have a lot of coming out stories. In 2006, I had a conversation with an African-American sister who knew I wanted to write for Essence. I wanted to write for a black for this black magazine this black and caribbean magazine because i really felt like i could relate to this magazine and she straight up said to me how dare you want to write for essence you ain't black why don't you write for latina it's not your place so i went back and reflected on this idea of it's not my place and it brought up it triggered all of these other moments of my life where i felt like i didn't belong 
You know, I come up in the 70s, there was no Latino box to check off. There was no Hispanic option. You were black or white. We weren't even in the census at that point. And so I was black. And so I meditated on the word, it's not your place. And that was the thing that gave me the idea for what would be my greatest work, Afro-Latinos. I wrote a story called Two Cultures Marching to One Drum, where I celebrate not only that I'm black, that I have black roots, that I have African roots, but I am Latina too. And that not only is it my place, but it's my responsibility to tell our story. And so I wrote this story called Two Cultures Marching to One Drum that was published in Urban Latino Magazine. And it caught the attention of then TV producer Renzo Davia, um, who produced um, American Latino TV. He was like, you know, I don't know how we're going to work together in the future, but I would love, I'm thinking about doing a documentary on Afro-Latinos. Fast forward several months later, and him and I created Afro-Latinos The Untold Story, and we've traveled to over 15 countries. The essay that I wrote propelled my writing career. It kind of took off. And it has been about finding my voice. You asked if I chose writing or it chose me. And I read a really beautiful you know, excerpt yesterday. Um, it was by Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way. And it's in the vein of gold. It's a book on creativity. And she was talking about a composer who didn't know he was a composer, but he represents composers. And he had done this piece of music. And they were looking for like a certain sound, a certain composer for, for a project, his company that he works at. So he threw his piece in with the reel. And when they heard everyone, they were like, no, 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 not this one, not this one, not this one. And they got to the last one, and it was his. And they were like, this is the one, this is the one. And he was like, no, 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 you don't want that one. They're like, no, this is the one we want. Who did this piece? Mm -hmm. And it was him. And she writes, that moment, a composer wasn't born. A composer was freed. And I sat with that, and I'm like, fuck. A writer isn't born. A writer is freed. A lesbian isn't born. A lesbian is freed. A black woman isn't born. A black woman. And I applied that to every area. That's so awesome. Right? It's a different way, different way of thinking it. Because it, born um, implies that it wasn't there before, and then something triggers it for, for it to come out. But it's... But if it's part of who you are, it was always there. It's just that it wasn't freed. Absolutely. So it's a completely different take on it. So where are we? Because we're trying to do this podcast. And I know we're in the Bronx, but there's some sort of like mariachi going on. You know, we're in this table with like a lot of pens and paper and writing utensils. And like, you know, where are we and what do you do here? Well, you're just catching me wrapping up at um, the Betances Senior Center. I teach writing to senior citizens in the Bronx. I teach at five different centers. And so what you're seeing is, are there journals? And so I spend the morning with them, kind of just taking them through past memories. And we write monologue, and we're writing prose, and we're reading poetry. And so that's um, one, of the, one of the things that I have in my like, soul work bank. So I know that you founded the this this writing group. Was this before or after you wrote the piece that kind of propelled you to create this documentary? And my other question is, why senior citizens? You know, do you think that they learn from you or you learn from them? The New York City Latino Writers Group was born in October 2006. 
and my essay was published. It's really that's really interesting. It was published a year later. So every single year after that moment, my writing career has taken off and soared and soared. And so the New York City Latina Writers Group was the space that I created for Latinas, for women of color to feel like they had a safe space to tell our stories where we felt understood, where we didn't have to translate or sugarcoat shit. Like this was, these were our stories and we don't have to explain nothing to you. If you don't get it, you just don't get it because we're not writing for you. Working with seniors is very new. So... I um, I applied for the Sukasa Fellowship, which is a artist residency providing workshops to senior citizens. And last year I was awarded the the residency. So I started my work with seniors, uh, just applying because I just felt like that was a demographic that I felt pulled to, drawn to. Like I've done my work with young, with youth middle school, um, and then I did high school, which I love, and college, which I love. But senior citizens, I, fe I feel, are ignored. And those are the stories that I wanted to kind of be a part of and help preserve. So I always gravitated towards the younger kids. I always feel like I'm always like giving or an educator. But I reach a point in my life where I feel like I don't know that much. Like, I don't know that ever since I came out of college, like it's harder to do this like other work for yourself to educate yourself. I felt like it was hard. Um, and I reached a point where I when I used to go to my aunt's house, I used to always like watch TV or like read a book or something. And then I started like sitting down at the at the at the table you know ellas, ellas haciendo su cosa en la cocina, and um i would just I, I just sat there one time and i had the best time and let me tell you the lessons like you're just sitting back like listen to your like your older you know women um in your family and these old sayings that i would be like what he you know what, what does that mean and they would just look at me and laugh like you don't know shit like you know I, I would never forget my aunt one time she was saying that you know when her husband cheated on her he wanted to come back ella le dijo algo como de que eh, tú jamás vas a ensuciar este tintero con tu tinta something like that no venga a traer tu, tu, tu pluma todo, todo fea todo yo no sé de qué I ensuciar este tintero I would never forget that and I feel like you know, hopefully I would never have to use that. But, like, <laughs> wouldn't it be amazing? You know, that would be, like, that my dramatic moment in my life. <laughs> no fui a traer esa pluma en este tintero. Jamás. Esa pluma, esa pluma está, está todo sucia. Yo no la quiero en este tintero. And she would say a, a lot about, like, how women had, like, this, you know, um, this kind of, like, dignity and, and, and other things. So it's interesting that you're going for seniors. And, and once I came in here, one of the first things I heard was a woman saying, yo viví esa di dictadura, yo no lo quiero vivir otra vez. And I'm like, wouldn't, you know, the stories that they have to tell and, you know, maybe capturing them, whether it is through this writing class or, like, somebody writing it down for them, it's something that we should take into consideration. I love, I love our youth. I love millennials. I believe that youth have something amazing to contribute and amazing minds, and I respect that. But one of the things that I'm noticing are that seniors, our elders, are being ignored. They're like this one shunned group that people just kind of walk by in the street, and, and they've given us everything. Like, we are where we are because of the elders that came before us and did so much for us. And the paths they created, all the offices that they cleaned, all the asses that they cleaned, all the, you know, all the, all the, the tedious 
menial jobs that they did to provide for our families. That's our story as Latinas, as Dominican, as women of color, as people of color. Like we've always had these service jobs. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that I get to facilitate a space for seniors to tell me any story, like I come in with lesson plans, but they clearly want to talk about what they want to talk about. And so they are the elders, so I lean back. So let's get back into it. Alicia, what's your favorite motivational quote? I love quoting is Paulo Coelho. It's from The Alchemist. When you want something badly enough, the universe conspires in helping you achieve it. I think that that quote is the thing that I live with because I know that as I move toward my goal and my dreams, I know that things are aligning to helping me get it. And so I have to remind myself of that all the time. So that's my favorite, favorite top quote. Who is the most influential woman in your life? The good daughter always says mom, right? So the first person that I'm thinking about is my mother and then my daughter because they are the most amazing people in my life. But I'm going to put them to the side because I always celebrate them and I write about them in depth and I talk about them in depth and I adore them. I'm thinking about Virginia Woolf. I just watched the movie The Hours and it was all about these three women and it was all based on this one story that she wrote. One of the things that struck me as a writer was um, her bouts with depression and mental illness and loneliness, but also her creative process. When she got stuck, she would go for walks and work out what was happening in her story and just sit on this bench. And then she realized that her main character kills herself at the end, drowns, and Virginia Woolf killed herself. I would love to, uh, to have a conversation with her about writing. So that's great because it leads us into my next question. You know, I I guess you get this all the time because you're a writer, but what's your advice or what's the best way to beat writer's block? I don't believe that we're blocked because I believe that we, we can find inspiration everywhere and anywhere, a song, a movie. I, I think that we have moments where we don't honor the craft, where we push back, you know, whether it's bouts with depression or life things happen that pull us away from it. So I don't believe that there is necessarily a block because I, I feel like how I've answered that call, know that there are always ways for us to get ourselves back. We just take a longer journey. Like I know for me what a block, and I say that with air quotes, what a, what a block would look like is depression. If I am going through a bout of depression, because that's very real, you know, we don't talk about mental illness enough, enough, but it keeps me from doing anything creative because I don't, I don't believe that there's a way out. That's not a block. That's something's happening to me emotionally and spiritually that keeps me from the page. And so what helps me to come out of those moments is meditation, is yoga, is reading, reading things on craft, reading other essays, playing music. You as a Renaissance woman have had many different um, jobs and careers in your life. Any memorable time where you felt stifled by your gender, either when working with a woman or working with a man? Sexism is real. Racism is real. The objectification of women is real. Um, I'll give two examples. The first is working on the film Afro-Latinos and traveling to Latin America. Two occasions, I traveled to Panama and the Dominican Republic, filming in Panama 
and interviewing. So I am the interviewer. I'm having the conversation with you. So we are making eye contact. Every time I asked a question, he referred his answers to my partner, Renzo, who was behind the camera, never looked at me once. On his desk, he had a little bell that he would ring for his secretaries. And so I understood very quickly in my travels and study in Latin America was that in these countries I would never be seen or respected as a journalist, as a filmmaker. Fast forward to the Dominican Republic, meeting with an anthropologist and the interviews going so well. I'm so thrilled. It was such a smart conversation. All of the contribute, like all of the history was on point. It was, it was wonderful. Finished the interview. Renzo and I are about to leave the museum and I go back and I'm like, shit, we forgot to take a picture with him. Let's go back. And, and when I went back to see him, he says to me, oh, where's your husband? Referring to my partner, Renzo, as my husband. And so I could, just, I could just be the wife. I was the sidekick. So in that moment, everything that he had said in that interview for me just turned it sour. Now, I never expected it from women. I was working at one of the largest publish magazine publishing companies in the United States, Condé Nast. And I worked for an editor-in-chief of a magazine. And we were bringing portfolios to the editor-in-chief's office. Now, as we were walking, I was carrying part of the portfolios and she was, she actually said to me, wait, 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 walk behind me. I want to go in first. Now, the fact that she said, wait, 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 walk behind me was the thing that I sat with. I went, I placed the portfolios on a table and walked out and went to try to work that out in therapy. I was like, yo, let me just tell you what this crazy woman just said to me. And I told my therapist play by play and she said, you understand what happened there, right? Here you are, this black woman, this woman of color, six foot one, looking like an Amazon, walking in front of this white woman who is shorter than you, she tried to disempower you. She was threatened by you, which would be the, it inspired the essay that I wrote called Power Tripping that's in my memoir, Finding Your Force. This, she was on a power trip. She had to put me in my place. This is why place is such a trigger for me. Sad moment, but a very affirming moment, too, because I understood that I would never allow that to happen to me again. You know, us, you know, younger um, Latinas in this creative environment, in this creative field, it's super competitive. And I guess, you know, some people would say that our cattiness or, or whatever it is that we feel up against each other is obviously perpetrated by the patriarchy and it's like this internalized misogyny that we all have but it's because you know there's like these limited amount of resources and we're like fighting against each other when we should be pulling together any advice for young women like what do you tell you know your daughter about being in another space with another woman is it more of like you know cuida con esta or is it like you know, trata, trata de, you know, they, they make friends or, you know, because, I mean, I, I've gotten both advices from, from, my, from the women that I, that I know. I love this question. So like the Millie song goes, lo mío es mío y nadie me lo quita. What's mine is mine and no one can take that from me. And so what have I taught my daughter? First of all, there is no competition. There's no competition for what she's doing. There's no competition for what she's going after. There's no competition. So, yes, envy is real. 
Yes, jealousy is real. Those are very real emotions and feelings that people need to work out. People need to get right with themselves. Find find Jesus. Like get like work on yourself. But do I believe in competition? No, I don't. The bottom line for me is that yeah, there are systems in place that would have us to believe that there isn't enough for all of us, that we have to fight for scraps, that there isn't a seat at the table for all of us, that if Amara La Negra is doing it and Cardi B is doing it and Julia Alvarez has done it and Ava DuVernay is doing it, that those stories have already been written and we don't have an opportunity, that's bullshit. That is a myth. If we believe in ourselves and we do the work, what is meant for us will be ours. What is meant for us will be ours. Finally, you know, we talked about, as you said, like this body of work. Where can we find it and what are your next steps in your career? You can find it on my, on my website, aliciaanabelsantos.wordpress.com. My podcast and vlog on iTunes, YouTube, and SoundCloud under Alicia Anabel Santos or The Afro-Latina Show. And on Twitter, I'm Diosa Dominicana. So what's next for me is that I'm working on a fiction novel. There's nothing I want to say about that because I've decided that I am no longer going to speak about what it is that I'm creating. And just putting out content, you know, creating content. Like every day I record an episode of my podcast show where I reflect on spiritual matters and creative texts and things that rise for me, things happening in the world. And so I'm just going to continue to build that, facilitate workshops for my senior citizens and the women of color that I nurture. That's it. Every day. Do the work. Thank you so much for, you know, taking the time to sit and tell me everything that you just said. I feel like as I move forward also in my own professional journey to keep people like yourself around me for whatever, for whatever. it could be just for like, Alicia, you know, I need some motivation today and you can like get up <laughs> or to tell me to be patient when there's an airplane flying right above us and we're recording. But in general, you know, as as a writer, as a as a woman, as a Dominican woman, it's just an inspiration for me to see somebody that I can relate to succeed in the way that you have. So it's kind of like paving the path for for everybody else. Any final thoughts? Thank you. Thank you for having me. And no, I just I just hope that more people um, discover what their passion is, what they're called to do, and to live their lives with worth. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Yay. Yay.